Can we stand to our feet all over the house? Can we give God praise and let him know how thankful we are to be in his house one more time? Thank you, Jesus. And I know it's been a long weekend. We've all been eating and going here and there and putting up with family members maybe you don't want to put up with. <clears throat> and so I feel like some of us are coming a little bit tired and fatigued today. Why don't we just kind of stretch out? Why don't we find somebody and tell them that we're thankful for them? Can we do that right now over the house? <clears throat> Find somebody, if you have to go several rows to find somebody. There we go. Stretch out those legs. All right, who's thankful for God's church? Can we give God a hand clap for his church today? All right, you may be seated. Sometimes you just gotta stir people up and get people moving. Who's gonna preach with me today? Who's gonna, who came to hear a word from God today? All right, we're starting a new series today called Fear Not. Everybody say Fear Not. And in this Christmas season, that is a, a important theme of the original Christmas story is fear not. Do not be afraid. And we're gonna be looking through uh, the Christmas story and different characters and how they reacted to the birth of Jesus and how their fear or their lack of fear had a lot to do with how they experienced God. And there are several phobias in the world today. Uh, people are afraid of lots of things. I, I found some uh, really rare phobias and one of them is Iraq. Abudia phobia, Iraq buterophobia, there I think I said it right that time, is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Does anybody, anybody want to confess to having that fear today? We're here to pray for you. The fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof, it's a real thing. Don't laugh, people. It's a real thing. What, what about uh, nomophobia? It is the fear of being without your cell phone. The fear, I feel like that, that phobia just kind of hangs out at this front row right here. Not naming any names. We're here for you. There it comes out, all right. Be careful. Plutophobia is the fear of money or wealth. Now, I just wanna say right now, I do not struggle with this phobia. God has delivered me. The fear of money, some people are legitimately afraid of having money, having to deal with money, or becoming wealthy themselves. They generally dread money and having to deal with it. If you have that phobia, please come forward and we will help you. I will personally help you get rid of that phobia. And I, I don't know if you can name a phobia you have, a fear you have. I'm gonna be vulnerable and name one that I have, and that is the fear of elevators. You ask, why, why would I be afraid of elevators? Well, I was uh, stuck in one in a third world country as a kid, and that will do it to you. That will do it to you. 
It's one thing to be stuck in an elevator in, I don't know, St. Louis or somewhere, but to be stuck in an elevator in Bulgaria is very traumatizing. And so whenever the escalator is available, I take advantage of it. But we all have to deal with fear. And, and what's interesting is this, there, there are only two natural fears. In other words, all the other fears that we have in our life are learned. Two of them are natural, and that is the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Everything else is programmed into us. Everything else is brought into us by experience or something people have told us. And, and faith is the process of unlearning fear. If you're gonna do what God wants you to do, if you're gonna experience God in his fullness, you're gonna have to unprogram and unlearn some fears that people and Satan have tried to put into you. And you have to fear not. You cannot be afraid. You can, your, your life cannot be controlled by fear and experience the fullness of God. How many wants to experience the fullness of God in your life? <clears throat> and we see in Luke chapter 10, the angel said to them, fear not, for I'm bringing to you what? Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, born this day in the city of David, is Christ the Lord. When the angels gave the news of Christmas to the shepherds, the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. When the, the angel comes to Mary, says to her, do not be afraid. This is a season where we're reminded not to be afraid. And, and when, when God gives people life-changing news all throughout the Bible, the first thing he tells them is to don't be afraid, fear not. God comes to Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 15, says, do not be afraid, Abraham, for I am your exceeding and great reward. When God comes to Moses to uh, give him the mission of delivering Israel out of Egypt, first thing he says to him is, do not be afraid, Moses. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of what people can do. And the, what I want to tell us today is this, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Why? Because on the other side of that fear is something that God has for you and I. It is a special purpose. It is a special experience. In Matthew chapter 2, today is, is where I want to start, where we see how fear controls somebody and keeps them from experience. Uh, experiencing God and experiencing Christmas. And they could have had a front row seat to what God was doing, but they let their fear dictate their response. And in verse one it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was what? Trouble. He was afraid. And all Jerusalem with him. Herod was afraid when he heard the news about Jesus. And to give you a little bit of biographical information about Herod, he was called Herod the Great. And he was basically a, a puppet ruler of the Romans. They put him in, and that's the way they would uh, do things. They would put... Uh, uh, someone in who could keep peace, who could keep the people happy and keep them happy. And so Herod was basically a client of Rome. But he felt threatened when he heard 
the news that the wise men bring, brought. Because they said, the king of the Jews has been born. And Herod was known, and he was given the title by the Romans as the king of the Jews. And so when these wise men come, and they say that we've heard that the king of the Jews has been born, where is he? That immediately threatens him. He was a paranoid person. He was a fearful person. How many knows that, that that paranoia is basically just somebody who is controlled by fear? A paranoid person is controlled by fear. And he felt threatened. And he, he, he uh, was so paranoid that history says that he killed two of his sons and to, to try to keep them from taking his throne. And he killed one of his wives. You could say he was a real family man. Paranoia is caused by the irrational fear that's brought into our life. It makes enemies out of people who aren't enemies. It tells us stories that aren't real. It causes reactions that are foolish and crazy. And we see that in the life of Herod. And instead of rejoicing that Jesus had come, it says that Herod and all of Jerusalem, what, what does it mean by all of Jerusalem? Well, I think it was talking about the power structure. That was where the powerful people of Israel lived. Your religious leaders, your political leaders, they were afraid. Why? Because if, this, if the prophecies about this baby are true, we are in trouble. Our positions are in trouble. Our, our ego could be threatened. Our, our very uh, place in society could be appended by this baby. And so Jesus threatened their position and their ego. And the first point I want to give us today is this. Don't let your ego drive your fears. Don't let your ego drive your fears. I want you to think right now about what you're afraid about, what you fear the most. And I would argue that for most of us, what we fear the most is what threatens our security and what threatens our position in life. That's what we're afraid of. And we gotta keep those things in check, those potential threats, we have to keep them in check so that they don't take our security and they don't take our position. And often our fear keeps us from what God wants to do in our life. How many things have we killed that God is trying to do with our fear? Then the first time we try to step out and do something for God, we, we step out of our comfort zone. The devil's gonna be on our shoulder saying, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He's gonna try to manipulate you by fear. He's gonna try to keep you where you're at in fear. And our ego and our sense of security is the root of much of what we fear. Right now, I, I want you to just imagine of what you would do for God if you had no fear in your life. I think this place would be different today. I think our lives would be different today. And this news should have been celebrated all throughout the land. <clears throat> However, it was met with, met with trepidation by Herod because he was out of control of this little baby. The problem that Herod had was that his ego caused him to be offended. His ego was the source of his fear. The, these wise men come he, he was known as Herod the Great. He had built some of the greatest buildings 
in the history of the land. That the new he basically refurbished the Jewish temple, and it was known as the architectural wonder of the world. He had built a city named Caesarea. If you ever been to Israel, it's an incredible ancient city that he built by the sea named Caesarea. He had done so many things, but here he is, scared to death of a baby. Here he is in in total uh, fear and trepidation of a baby. And what we have to realize is this, is that the ego is driven by pride. Our pride will build up our fears. And our pride is what causes us to try to protect ourselves, to try to protect our turf, to try to protect our reputation. And the truth be told is that Herod is upset because his feelings are hurt. That the wise men didn't come looking for him, but they came looking for a little baby. That he doesn't even know where he's at, that is nameless, and he is upset because he thinks these wise men should be coming to Israel to talk to him, and instead, they're looking for a little baby. And Herod missed Christmas. Herod missed what God was trying to do in his life because he was offended. And you know that most often when you're offended, it has to do with your ego. Yeah, we, we, we say my feelings were hurt when really what we should say is my ego was hurt. It just sounds better when we say our feelings are hurt because it makes us more of a victim. But really, it's our ego that's damaged. And Tim Keller gives four natural conditions of our ego. Now I want you to listen because this is so important because your ego will drive your fears which will keep you from experiencing what God has for you in your life. And so if we're gonna attack fear, we gotta attack the source of it which is right here inside. Number one, our our ego is empty. Our ego, it, it searches for something that will give it a sense of worth. And the only thing that will give you a sense of worth is Jesus. It's not your position. It's not your job. It's not your place in the family. It's not any of that. And so our ego is empty. And we're constantly reminded. If we try to put something in place of God in our life, your ego will constantly having to be, have to be propped up. You'll constantly have to be complimented. Number two, our ego is painful. Our ego constantly needs validated. We are so broken that we constantly need to be propped up and told how great we are. And like I said, we say things like my feelings were hurt, but if we really dissect what they said, if we really dissect what they did, if we really dissect how we interpreted what happened, it was our ego that was hurt. We think that we deserve a certain amount of respect. We think we deserve a certain amount of compliments and and that we should... Uh, when we walk into the room, everybody should stand and clap. I want to give you a little test. When you take your Christmas card and you get the Christmas picture back that you're going to send to everybody, where do your eyes go immediately? They go to you. You know what that is? That's your ego. How do I look? We're not sending this card out if I don't look good. Now, I never say that. You know, that's Danielle's issue, not mine. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we, we've never had to do that, I promise. 
But it's our ego. I'm sorry, baby. That was just a test. Our ego draws us to, to look at ourselves. Our, our ego causes us to tell bad jokes in our sermons. It's our, our ego is, there baby, I redeemed myself with that. Our, our ego is busy. The third thing is, we need to leave point two. Our ego is busy. It, it searches for something that will give us a sense of worth. It gives, our ego wants us to be special, right? One of the first things our mom tells us is we're special. And when we go to school and we find out there's 15 other kids in the class, and we're not special. That, that hurts our ego. And of course, we have to be reminded and we have to always look for things that will validate us. Our ego is busy. Number four, our ego is fragile. It's fragile. Like Herod, all it takes is somebody coming in saying, I'm not looking for you. I'm looking for a baby. And it causes us to do crazy things. Our ego can be deflated at any time for any reason. You know, so many times, have you ever triggered somebody and you said something innocently and like you got this reaction you were not expecting? And we, we have a word for that now called triggering. And, and what... That was all about, it wasn't what you said, it was a lifetime of things that led up to that moment, right? And you didn't know that you pressed the button. You didn't know that what you said was a culmination of things. But that shows <clears throat> that our ego is fragile. We can be triggered by our ego in an instant. And so it's Herod's ego that caused him to do this. Not to ask, how will this baby benefit the world, but how does it benefit me? Can we just get real for a second? How many else has done this? And I'm, I'm just going to be really open and honest. I'm so broken. I've done this. Somebody gets really great news, really great life-changing news for them. And we're so broken, the first question we ask is, how is this going to affect me? Is this going to lower me? Is this going to take attention away from me? Does this threaten me? And that's what Herod is doing. He's asking, how does this baby affect me? And he misread the situation. Can anyone today admit today that our ego drives our fears? Our ego drives us to do things that are rational. And, and despite the fact that he was Herod the Great, and he had done so many great things in life, he will go absolutely crazy, absolutely cray-cray over a baby because he perceives this baby as being a threat. And if we're going to move past the fear of what God is going to do in our life, we are going to have to check our ego at the door at what God is going to accomplish. Can I just tell you right now, Jesus is after your ego. He's going to offend you. He's gonna bring people into your life 
who bring you down a couple notches. He's gonna bring people and situations in your life that keep you in check and keep you from getting too big of a head. And you need to thank God for that. Because what's keeping you from experiencing the blessings of God in your life, most of the time is it's you. And most of the time what's driving your fears in life are stories you've told yourself. And many of them aren't even true. Many of them are unfounded. Your ego is the enemy of what God is trying to do next. Your opinion of yourself is oftentimes the, the enemy of what God is trying to do next. And we see that Herod's reaction will make him the enemy of God. In verse three, it says, and when they had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of all the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And I always thought this was funny. He, he got all the religious experts together, and he's like, okay, where is the Messiah gonna, going to be born? And that tells me this, is that these people knew it was on the way. These people knew this was a promise of God, and they still try to keep it from happening. How many knows that if God has said something's going to happen, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter if the president's against it. It doesn't matter if the religious authorities against it. God's gonna do what he said he would do. And so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Somebody say, liar, liar, pants on fire. He had no intention of finding this child to worship him. He was trying to kill him. Then in verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, you see, God spoke to them. God warned them in a dream, Do not go back. It's a death trap. And when he saw he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth, and he put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he determined from the wise men. Which brings to our, our second point today is this. Don't let fear cause you to try to control your circumstances. Herod was so paranoid and he was so deceived by this fear that to try to stamp out the birth of Messiah, he put out an order that all male children, two and under, were to be killed. What a completely crazy idea. But you know, you and I, we do the same thing. We try to control our circumstances. We try to control what God will or will not do in our life. If it's a method that we don't like, if it's a way that God is trying to work in our life, we'll try to control it, won't we? Amen. And people who are control freaks, here's what I've learned. People who are control freaks often are very afraid. It's not you. It's something that happened to them. It's something somebody did to them. I was... I was Recently, deal, dealing with somebody that was very difficult. And I, and I was like, where is this coming from? And then somebody told me something that happened in their childhood. I was like, it all makes sense now. Something happened in their childhood, and 
that they were not in control of, and now they're going to try to control everything. And that's what fear will do to us. It will lie to us and say, I'm going to try to control people because I could not control that situation. I'm never going to let that happen again, and I will control everybody. And how many knows that that never works? If you want to try to uh, shut off the flow of God in your life, try to control what only he can control. And fear will drive you to crazy places like Herod. Herod tried to kill the God who was trying to save him. And I want to tell you today, God's trying to save you. God's trying to do incredible things in your life. And you, through your fear, can do everything possible to try to keep that from happening. But I want to just try to encourage somebody today that you need to let go and you need to let God do what he wants to do in your life. Let go of fear. I love what Queen Victoria said. She said, oh, that I wish the Lord would come in my lifetime that I could lay down my crown at his feet. And all of us, we need to let go of our ego. We need to let go of our earthly crowns. We need to let go of all the feelings uh, that we're special, that we're different from everybody else, and we're gonna try to keep anyone that threatens our position, that tries to threaten who we are. No, no, we need to let go, and we need to lay those crowns at the feet of Jesus and say, God, here's my future. God, here is everything that I am. Here's my reputation. I'm laying it down at your feet because I don't want my ego to get in the way of what you want to do in my life. I believe that much of our fear is this, the fear of failure. We're afraid of what we can't control. And here's the thing. If you're going to do something for God, you're going to have to let go of control. You're gonna have to step out of faith in faith. And here's what you gotta realize. Sometimes you gotta fail your way to success. You're not gonna get it right every time, but you know what? Sometimes God allows us to fail so that we get past that fear of failure. Because once you stop fearing what is keeping you from being obedient, nothing is in your way at that point. When you learn to really fear God, the only thing that you can fear is God. And once you truly fear God, there's nothing that can stand in your way. Come on, how many today wants to fear God more? How many wants to trust him more? And controlling people are often terrified of failure. And I want to tell you, that, that fear of failure is driven by pride. Because we tell ourselves, if I fail, people won't love me anymore. If I fail, God will be disappointed. If I fail, I'm going to look stupid. If I fail, they're going to talk about me. What I want to tell you, that that's a lie from the pit of hell. God loves it when we step out in faith. And even if we don't get it completely right, at least we stepped out. At least we took a chance. And you know what? You're going to learn from that failure you're gonna learn what you need to do better from that fear. I, I wanna encourage somebody today. Don't let your fear cause you to try to control your circumstances. Don't try to play God. It won't work. If God told you to do something and you're afraid, you know what? Step out and we're gonna overcome that fear because on the other side of that fear, there is freedom to do what God has called us to do. 
I want to just take this a little different angle right now. I really believe it's, it's our ego that keeps us from experiencing God more deeply. And I want to tell you that if you are going to experience, I'm going to repeat myself, if you're going to experience what God has for you, you've got to get past you. You know why some people will never come to this altar? They got an ego. Well, what if somebody takes a picture and it's on Facebook? What if I'm on the live stream and people know I go to that church and I went to that altar? So what? Let them talk. In the words of the psalmist, Bonnie Wright, is it right? I don't know if I'm saying it right. Let's give them something to talk about. Let's blow their, you, you know why some of you, you're, you're afraid of the Holy Spirit, it's your ego. Oh, I'm gonna preach for a little bit. You know why you're, you're afraid of this talk of, of being filled with the Holy Ghost and, and, and speaking in tongues, it's because you're not in control. Right. I, I wanna just encourage you, get your ego out of the way. Stop trying to control God. Stop trying to say, I, I, that won't happen to me or I, I'll never do that. You know what, once you get you out of the way, there's no telling what God can do from you. God might prophesy through you. God might use you to lay hands and, uh, come on, I wish I had somebody stand on your feet and say, I'm sick of me, I'm tired of me. I want myself out of the way and I want God to do what only he can do in my life. Come on, did anybody come here today to be preached to, to be challenged today? Come on, somebody give God some glory. Somebody humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Lift up your hands and say, God, I want whatever you have for me today. I want whatever experience. You can be seated, John, John 3, 8. In John chapter 3, Jesus preached, uh, talked to a man named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was the leading teacher in Israel. He, he was the head dog of the seminary. And Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, a man to enter, to even see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You can't study about God. You can't know enough facts about God. That's not what saves you. You have to be born again. And he says this, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. You have to have a new birth. And if you want to know what that looks like, look at Acts 2.38. You got to humble yourself. What does that look like? You got to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. You have to say, Lord, I'm going to live life your way. You know what, that takes humility. You gotta get your, e repentance is about getting your ego out of the way. You gotta be baptized. And you know why a lot of people have trouble with baptism? They, their ego gets in the way. I don't wanna get in that water. I don't wanna have to do all that. Get your ego out of the way. And then be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know how you get filled with the Holy Spirit? You're not filled with you. You know what keeps us from being filled with the Holy Spirit? We're filled with ourselves. We're filled with what we want. We're filled with our ideas. We're, we're full of it, aren't we? I won't say what we're full of, but we're full of it. And the Holy Spirit, we need that to just kind of clean us out of all of us. And rid us of us. In John 3, 8, Jesus says this, the wind blows where it wishes. 
and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it is of everyone who's born of the Spirit. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, Nicodemus, you can't be in control. You can't control this. The wind blows where it wants, and that's how God's Spirit, you can't dictate where God will go, what God will do, and how God will do it. You have to open yourself up and say, God, I'm open to what you want. I, I know that for some of you, maybe this, this whole idea of speaking in other tongues is new, speaking in spiritual languages is new, but I want to tell you, don't try to control God. Don't, don't try to control how God wants to move in your life. Be open. Get your ego out of the way. But it looks stupid. Well, you know what? You look stupid already anyway. You, 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 if we could put a, a camera on you 24 hours a day, we could come up with multiple clips of how stupid you are. And the same thing could be said of me, y'all. Okay, I'm, I'm not dissing on you. You know why we're laughing right now? Because we're full of ourselves. You know how, how, how crazy Black Friday, if, we, if aliens would come to earth and watch us on Black Friday, how crazy we would look, and if, if we could be shown on an iPad of, of how we act at Christmas time with some of this stuff, it's our ego. We've got to get it out of the way. And we've got to be like David and dance with all of our might. We've got to give him all the praise and glory. You know why? Because it's not about us anyway. Come on, I wish somebody here today believed that. Come on, I wish somebody believed. Acts 2, 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in all of one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. What, what did Jesus say the Holy Spirit was like? The wind. And it filled the whole place where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know what that is a picture of? The Holy Spirit having control of people. And they were so filled with the Holy Spirit that the crowd outside the door said, these people are drunk. And the reaction on the day of Pentecost was one of wonder and one of fear. But what did Peter say? These people aren't drunk as you suppose. But they are, this, is what, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. You've got to get rid of yourself. You know, uh, we get passionate and we get crazy about the craziest things, don't we? And I'm going I'm to redeem myself, right? I'm going to try to redeem myself. And, and, and uh, I'm going to admit to something that I do that is just so stupid. And that is this. I care about Illinois football. And yesterday I was watching the game and I was snappy with the kids. I'm, I'm sorry, babe, I was snappy with her. And, and finally, like, how many knows that God speaks through our family? God speaks through people around us. And, and Daniel said, Jeremy, why do you do this? They're bad. They've always been bad. They're always, she's only been here nine years and she knows the deal. They're always going to be bad. You get grouchy every Saturday over this horrible football team. If it was the Texas Longhorns, I could understand, but it's Illinois. They've never been good. They'll never be good. And I had no defense whatsoever. I sat there speechless as God spoke through her. And thank God, 
the torture for 2023 is over as yesterday was the last game of the season. But I was thinking, like, if we could have a hidden camera, I was shouting at the TV, I was, you know, getting snappy with the kids, and how crazy and how stupid that looks. And you know what? That was multiplied by hundreds of thousands yesterday of men in central Illinois who did the same thing. And here's the thing, here's the difference. At least I'll come to church and I'm willing to look crazy for Jesus because that's what matters. You'll, you'll yell at your TV over a ball game and over something that has no eternal significance. And if you're going to have your ego deflated, at least have it over something that has eternal value. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of my ego getting in the way of what God wants to do. And anybody else ready to look foolish for Jesus? And maybe other people don't understand it. Maybe other people don't understand why you would celebrate a little baby being born who will save the world. And you know, in this story, who's contrasted with King Herod are the wise men. They were not afraid to look foolish. They were not afraid to pass push past their fears and follow a star. The only thing they had was a star and a, a few prophecies. And they were clinging to this hope that there's a little baby in Israel, thousands of miles away, who will be the savior of the world. And that's how you have to be if you're gonna be a true worshiper of Jesus. You gotta get past yourself. And you have to say, all I have is a promise is that God is going to do something supernatural in this world. And I wanna be a part of it. Does anybody wanna be a part of what God's doing today? Does anybody wanna be a part? Is anybody willing to put your ego under submission to God? I'm gonna count, you gotta get over you. If you're gonna go where God wants you to go, you've gotta get over you. Those wise men, they could have come home empty-handed. It could have been just a wild goose chase, but instead they were given a front row seat to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I don't know about you, but I want a front row seat to what God's doing. Number three, don't let your fear control your decisions for God. Herod's fear kept him. It should have been him at the stable. It should have been him to see the birth of the most incredible human being, the God-man, Jesus. But he let his fears keep him from what God was trying to do. And the only thing we should fear is God. We shouldn't fear people. We shouldn't fear their opinions. The only thing that we should fear is the opinion of one, and that is God. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love what casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Once you realize that when we talk about the fear of God, what that means is reverential awe. I've just said this before and I'll say it again. You know, the great thing about Jesus is the more you fear him, the less you have to be afraid of. Once you know that 
my validation comes from him. My affirmation comes from him. That's the only thing that matters. And so today I want to call us back to the fear of God. When you fear God, there is nothing left to fear because he is the most powerful thing in the world. And so today I want to challenge us today. Let's let go and let God. Let's get our ego out of the way. Let's go after God with everything that we have. Like the wise men, let's leave it all behind to try to find this child, try to find this baby. And today, we got to be like Peter. You know, Peter, some would say that Peter failed when he got out of the boat. He walked on water and he saw the winds and the waves. The music will come. And he started to sink. But I want to tell you, I don't think Peter failed. You know why? Because there was one disciple that got out of the boat and it was Peter. There was one disciple that could say, I walked on water with Jesus and it was Peter. And Jesus said, Peter, come on, come towards me. And I want to tell somebody, God is calling some of us to get out of the boat. And that boat represents safety. It represents insecurity. It represents fear. Some of us need to get out of the boat and come towards Jesus and realize this. I can walk on water when my eyes are on Jesus. When my eyes are on Jesus, there is no fear. There is no fear of failure. There is nothing that can keep me from doing what he wants me to do when I'm with Jesus. Come on, can we lift up our hands all over the house today? Can we saturate ourselves in the presence of God? Lord, I pray you cast out fear. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. You're in this place today. Lord, I pray there'd be somebody here today, God, that would stop letting fear control their decisions about you. I pray there'd be somebody here today that would stop letting their fear from keeping them to get in the, the water of baptism, to going all in to seeking the power of the Holy Ghost, oh God. Closing today, you know, the word of God says that he is singing over us. And George, right now, he's, he's going through this thing where fighting fear of going into the next room by himself. He fears going to the basement by himself. And here's what he's devised to help him get past his fears. He says, Daddy, will you sing while I go downstairs? And he has a specific song he makes me sing, and it's very comical. Again, if we could have a hidden camera, we could see how stupid I look. He says, Daddy, sing This Is The Day. So for two minutes, I have to sing This is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made. You don't have to play it. He's trying to find a toy, and I'll stop and see if he knows. Daddy, keep singing. You know what? When I'm singing him, I'm letting him daddy still here. I want to tell you, he's singing over us today. 
And we don't have to be afraid of anything that's going on in this world. Why? Because Daddy's here. Our Father's here. If we can stand to our feet right now, I want to cast out fear. Can we do that? Let's lift up our hands all over this place. And let's let Him sing over us. Let's let Him cast the fear out of our life. If God's been dealing with you about something and you've been afraid to take the next step, I want to tell you, He's with you. Fear not, he says in Isaiah, for I am with you, says the Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not let the fear of people keep you from experiencing what he has for you today. And then we're going to open up these altars. If you want to seek God, if you want to go to the next level, the next dimension in your relationship with God, if you want to seek him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. If you are hungry for the power of the Holy Ghost in your life like you've never experienced, I want to invite you to come to this altar today. Get rid of your ego. Get rid of your thought of how high you are. Put it under and submit to God, and God will lift you up today. Come on, can we lift up our hands all over this house, and let's worship Him.